0: Well, folks, Jerry Adams and Shaw Arish, Shaktanavoin, Ella at town. Just a few quick words about my old friend, Tom Hartley. I've known Tom for fifty-five years, and during that time, he's given decades of service to the Republican cause. He's been an organizer, a writer, a propagandist, a leader. During the the internment protests of the early 1970s and then the Hisflock Armagh campaign, he was in the front line. Tom was chair of Sinn Féin in Belfast and then during the hunger strikes in 1980 and 1981 he was head of the Sinn Féin Prisoner of War department, ensuring that we had a line of communication with the prisons. In the 1980s, Tom was Ard Rooney of the party. With the development of the Sinn Féin Peace Strategy, Tom, along with Jim Gibney, led our efforts to engage with political and civic unionism and with the Protestant churches, and they were evilly assisted in that endeavour by Mitchell McLaughlin and others. And later, Tom became a popular Belfast city councillor and mayor of the city of Belfast. Among Tom's many talents, uh, a boron maker and a player par excellence, with a fine taste for good food and fine wine. He's also a historian who's written about the people and history of Belfast through his fascinating books on the city cemetery, Milltown Cemetery, and Balmoral Cemetery. Tom decided many years ago, decades ago, that the republican history of the city of Belfast, often ignored by the more established institutions, needed to be told and preserved so Tom became a collector. Posters, leaflets, badges, publications, books, speeches. In fact, anything that wasn't nailed down would find its way into the Linenhall hall library for the perusal and preservation of this and future generations. Mostly Republican, but his collection also reflects the differences of opinion and politics within our society. In 2016, the Ulster Museum began its Collecting the Troubles project. It's actually called Collecting the Troubles and Beyond. And Tom donated 2,000 objects, 2,000 articles to that endeavour. And last week he opened his own unique collection, A Collector's Story. And at a well-attended event, he said, if you're not seen, you're not heard. When you're not heard, someone else will steal your voice, either distort or silence your narrative. So folks, take the time to go to the Ulster Museum. You won't be disappointed. Tom has made an invaluable and innovative contribution to the storytelling of Ireland. Well done, Akara. Back in the day, and Tom was probably one of them, But back in the day, my generation, or most of us, yeah, Tom was, he was fond of a cigar, most of us used to smoke. And it was a social thing to do at that time. Gallagher's Blues, Park Drive, Woodbine, they were the fags of choice. Some shops actually sold them as single cigarettes. Some were also available in packs of five. So I came across an empty packet of five Woodbine recently, and that sparked memories and a regret that I had ever smoked. It was all Joe McGee's fault. Joe was a neighbour and a childhood friend. He's still my pal to this day. He lives in Australia now. He introduced me to nicotine. Later, when he joined the Merchant Navy, Joe brought home Judy Free Capstan, Benson and Hedges, Marlborough. I think the Marlborough cigarettes featured a cowboy in its adverts. He also brought Peter Stuyvesant and Camel into our lives and into our lungs. Once he got very arty with a Gualwa's Bleu before descending to rolling his own. Rysla cigarette papers wrapped around Golden Virginia tobacco. There was even a little machine for rolling cigarettes complete with filter tips. When Joe and I started smoking, the now familiar filter tip cigarettes weren't so popular. Trips to Dublin introduced us to Sweet often and Major Exercise, along with Carl's Number 1. It seemed everyone smoked in those days. In the current smoke-free era, it's hard to imagine how smoggy public places could be back then. Talk about smoke-filled rooms. Pubs and cafes vied with picture houses and concert halls, committee rooms and even changing rooms for that title. And our homes were the same. Most houses had ice trays, some were rather stylish, perched in their own column of brass or glass or wood. Now they're rarely seen except as treasures on the antique roadshow. Nowadays smokers stand outside in doorways and little shelters, like Bonnie's Children of Eve, clustered together in all types of weather, having a wee drag, or a wee drag as they say here. I'm told that romance often flourishes in these close encounters. I used to smoke everything. Everything legal, that is. Cigarettes, cheroots, cigars, the pipe. Sometimes all at the same time. Well, not exactly all at once. My mouth isn't that big. Contrary to the claims of the usual jealous detractors and begrudgers. But then I caught myself on. I started to try to give them up. I did it so many times I got good at it. Sometimes when I was trying to stop, I used to take a few fags and a packet and carry, with them, carry them with me in my pocket. So when the urge to smoke was on me, I would take out a cigarette and talk to it. Do you really think you're going to break me? I would ask it. Sometimes that worked. Other times the cigarette faced me down. Mother heart. Tough i talked, it was well-schooled in the anti-interrogation techniques, it said nothing. I, I must confess, pardon the pun, that when I told the cigarette everything I knew about smoking and after I had strenuously disassociated myself from smoking and repudiated all connections with smoking, well, I must confess, occasionally I broke and succumbed to the urge for one last smoke. It was the same in prison as it was out of prison. I struggled with my addiction. Cigarettes are a currency in prison, especially among the ordinary decent criminals, as the Brits call them to distinguish them from the political prisoners. Tobacco used to be king in these penal circles. Touchini was also highly praised by us politicos, especially in punishment regimes, where they were mostly forbidden or very scarce. I remember one comrade smoking tea leaves wrapped in toilet roll. He only managed two dregs. Other ground discarded cigarette butts and shredded them into roll-ups. Sometimes they used pages from the Bible. Holy smoke! Clat my van Kiela, she smoked also, although she confined herself to cigarettes. Then... Our eldest lad, alerted in school to the dangers of smoking, started to admonish us. So I stopped. Then I broke again. I never let on. It was only a temporary lapse, I told myself. One day I was having a sneaky puff in the toilet. I neglected to lock the door. The oldest lad burst in. He caught me fag in hand. He was so let down and so disappointed in me, there was only one thing I could do. I stopped smoking there and then. One of the best things I've ever done for my health. So, Goromila, Mila ogot, a Cat stopped as well, sometime afterwards, but better late than never. Since then, we live in a smoke free zone. So, Shine, a hardja, maradurtne, gume shivsha, gahuntak, gume shivsha, gumoi. And we we'll go out. This week with Patsy Klein and three cigarettes in an ice tray. Slanlive.
1: Then a stranger came along, and everything went wrong. Now there's three cigarettes in the ashtray. Ash I watched her take him from me. one cigarette burn away I watched her take him from me Thank you.